we are actually walking through a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. Let me just give you just a quick, really quick background about the Corinthian church. So you've got brand new believers, brand new church, and people are trying to figure out what the heck is this Christianity thing? And you've got people from just different walks of life, different social backgrounds, different uh, economic backgrounds, all coming together, trying to figure out how to do life together. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? It's like a church today. And so they are living life and trying to live the Christian life through the lens of how the world lives and does everything. And what does that mean? Well, for example, one of the things that they argue and they, I'm sorry, they fight about is the fact that you've got people who are wealthy and people who are poor in the same church. And in that society, which is Greek society, they valued those who were really smart and who had money. I know it doesn't happen in today's world, right? But they valued that. In fact, it was funny because they looked down on the Apostle Paul. We look at the Apostle Paul and they're like, wow, man, all the things that he did. They actually looked down on him because he had the audacity to actually make tents with his hands. And tent makers smelled, right? And so here's our church right now. You see this row over here? Those are all our tent makers and they smell, Right? And so we're not going to hang with them. This is what was going on. And so Paul writes this letter, and he's addressing these issues going on in the church. But and the lens through which the Apostle Paul sees and does everything is love. Love is very multifaceted. It is, has a depth to it that we can't even begin to understand. We actually had a See Jesus workshop yesterday, and... Um, And one of the big topics that came out of that is how honesty is a way to love people. It doesn't mean I'm lying to you. It means that if I see something wrong, it has a sense of moral right and wrong. If I see something wrong, then in love, I come to you and I make you aware of what you're doing isn't right. Why? Because I love you. I don't keep you in your sin. I do it out of love, even though there's a very good possibility that when I come to you in love, are you going to receive it well? You're probably going to say to me, oh, well, let me tell you what you do, right? And now I've entered the life of Christ. As I move toward people in love, I suffer. But love is multifaceted. Is a lot of depth to it. And so what we are doing is this is sort of the crescendo of all of 1 Corinthians. It's all about love. I had the opportunity to actually preach. I keep saying preach. So the first time I spoke at a church was my mom's funeral. And the Lord had placed on my heart to actually preach about this scripture right here. Love. Why? Because if any of you know and you've dealt with a loss in your family, man, it's just an overwhelming sense of love that you have when a family member or friend passes away and all these people that knew that person come to you and express um, how sorry their condolences and their prayers for you. You get overwhelmed by that type of, type of love. And so I talked about this it was very fitting for that time, the people that had come and that had known my mom and that, that had come and to share love. But it's such a different 
context now of actually digging a little deeper and understanding the scripture in the context which it was used. But God is really funny because when we divvy up these sermons, we don't say, all right, Keith, you don't love very well, so we're going to give you this one, and you don't do this. It, we really do it depending upon our availability. And God has a always, always has a way of saying, ooh, I know who's available for this one. Right? I know somebody who I am working in his life right now and teaching him how to love. Let me just be totally honest with you guys. I lived much of my life not loving people. I loved the heck out of myself. I could love myself really, really well because everything I did was focused on me and what God has done. And when I finally said to God, I don't know how to love you and I don't know how to love other people. Help me. And he began to take me on this journey that brought me to the end of myself. But he began to fill me up with his love. And he filled me up with his love that I now can operate on a daily basis filled with his love instead of operating on the emptiness that I used to have before. And when I'm filled with his love, I can now begin to move toward other people in love. I have love for people in ways nowadays that I never had before. Like, I can honestly say I love you guys. Most of you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I do love you, right? But I have love for people that I never had before, that regardless of what you do to me, I can still love you because I no longer operate from my own emptiness and my own hurt. I'm so filled with him that I don't feel a certain way about myself if, even if you deny and don't want anything to do with me. That's what we're talking about here. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. And so you know what I love to do. I love to go way back to the beginning, right? So we're going to have a pop quiz. Put your books away. Right? What is the very first commandment? Oh, we're going to be here a while. <laughs> what is the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and to love your as yourself, those are the second. They say, which one is the most important of all the commandments? Jesus said, all the rest of them hinge on those two right there. If I love you, am I going to murder you? Right? And these are really easy questions on this quiz. If I love you, am I going to steal from you? All right. So it's safe to say, if I can do the first two, can I fulfill the rest of them? Yes. And when you look in the very beginning, the very reason why we are here in the first place is you and me, we were created from love. The love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Their love burst at the scenes, creates us. We were created from their love. We were created for their love. We were created as objects of their love. They love you whether you realize it or not. And we were created to love. We were created as loving beings. The problem is we love everything but God. Right? Most of our love is focused this way. And so we were created. We see that. And Jesus, right before he dies, he tells his disciples, here's a new commandment that I give you is to do what to one another? Love one another as I've loved you. This whole Thing. The whole reason we're here. The Bible is a love story. Foundation is love. What is it like on a Sunday, as hard as life is, you come in here and you're around other people who may struggle, 
who may suffer, but they love on you and they pray with you and they walk beside you. What does that feel like? Does it feel good? You are getting a little taste of heaven. It's a dim taste, but you're tasting what it's like to be in heaven and a life through eternity in love. That's what it's like. Now, many of you are probably listening to this. It's hard to love. It absolutely is. The Christian life is hard to love, and I'm here to tell you right now, you cannot love well on your own. You will try to muster up the strength to do it, and you can't. The way that you begin to love is you admit that you can't love. As soon as you admit you can't love and you ask for help, watch what happens. God begins working in your life. He begins having you fall in love with him, and you have so much joy that the joy begins to just emanate. Like a tent maker that smells, right? The emanate, right? You begin to love that way, and that's what we're going to look at today. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a letter that the Apostle Paul writes to a struggling church trying to figure out how do we live together. And what he's saying is it's all about love. Love is the foundation of everything. Love is the foundation that endures forever. It's always been about love. It'll always be about love. So I call this sermon, It's All About Love. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. And I'll have the scripture up there. And so let's just pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We know, Lord, that there's nothing that happens outside of your knowing and your will, Father, that people are here today because you've called them to be here. And we pray that you would speak to every single one of us individually. Help us to understand and help us to cry out to you for help. Wherever we are in our life and whatever we're doing, Father, we ask the Holy Spirit would move today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you were here last week, Ezra went through 1 Corinthians 12, and we talked a lot about spiritual gifts, right? The Holy Spirit gives gifts to each individual believer as I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. And the problem, now the Corinthian mentality was, yeah, everybody has gifts, but you know what? These gifts are more important over here because there are things like prophecy and teaching. And everybody wants to have those. Why? Because I can, I can be held higher and I can boast about what I'm doing. And then there's the other gifts in the church that are kind of like down here. Nobody really wants those. And the Apostle Paul understood what they were doing was they were looking at it and, and raiding these gifts. And that's why he uses the example of a body. Is a hand more important than a foot? He uses the example of a body and saying it's all one body. It's all the same spirit that gives individual gifts. And when we come together, we are now the body of Christ. And so he's trying to get them to understand that. And the very end of chapter 12, he says this, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still more excellent way. What he's saying is it's okay to actually say, I would love to be able to teach and to have those higher gifts. But let me show you something even better. And then he transitions and he gets to chapter 13. He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, 
I gain nothing. And what he's saying is, man, I could have the gift of tongues. I could have the gift of tongues, but if I'm doing it and it's not the foundation of love, I'm not motivated by love, then I'm just making noise. They loved the gift of tongues. They held it up and they would use the gift of tongues to promote themselves above others. It wasn't done from a foundation of love. You could have prophetic powers. You could know all the mysteries, right? You could have a type of faith that moves mountains. But if you don't do it from a foundation of love and motivated by love, then you're doing it for self-promotion. You could take everything that you own, give it away. You could deliver your body to be burned at the stake. But if you don't do it from love, it means nothing. That, in fact, is what a lot of religions are like nowadays. I do things for show. I do things to show how religious I am. I do it from a motivation is to appease a God. I don't do it as a motivation of a love for you. I do it for myself. And you can see there's a fine line between doing something for good and doing it to promote yourself. And sometimes it gets kind of blurry, the two. Anybody ever watch Seinfeld? Right? You remember the episode where George Costanza, he, he's trying to tip the pizza owner, and every time he tries to tip him, the guy turns around, he's like, because he's trying to do it to, to, to show how giving he is to this owner. He's like, every time I give him a tip, he turns around. And so he, one time he takes a $5 bill and he puts it in there and the guy turns around and he's like, so he goes in to reach to get it. As soon as he reaches, the guy's like, hey! Because his hand is in the tip jar, right? And it says, and oftentimes what we'll do is we will want to do things because we want people to see. Now I'm not saying doing good things is, it's obviously it's a great thing to do, but sometimes our heart motivation can be in the right place, right? That I can give something and I'm like, I sure wish somebody recognizes me for what I just did, Right? The true test is can you give something and can you do something without promoting yourself? That's hard. And so the first application is love is greater than and is the focus of our gifts. He went through a whole list of spiritual gifts in our life. But what he's saying is unless you're doing the motivated by love, you're just making noise. You're just doing things. And I'm going to take it one step further. It's not even just spiritual gifts. How about the earthly gifts that God has blessed you with in your life? What are you using your earthly gifts for? Is it motivated by love? What he's saying is true spiritual measure is not how much you've sold, whether you're a martyr, whether you're a prophet. It's about how well do you love. If you want to gauge your growth, as a Christian, and how much you're growing, how well do you love? Love is the focus. Love is this. Agape love is an unchanging, self-giving love. It means I deny myself for the sake of other people, and it must be the foundation of everything I do. The Apostle Paul knows this because he had lived a whole life of doing, and he's like, and it meant nothing. Nothing. In fact, the scripture softens it. He actually says it was horse bleep. I was born of the greatest tribe in Israel. I was circumcised on the sixth day. Right? I finished top of my class. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. But it means nothing. Because he had, did not have love. He was just doing it to promote himself. 
And so I asked the question, do you do things, do you find yourself doing things motivated by love and just doing things because you're supposed to, to feel better about yourself, to feel better about your religion, or are you doing things motivated by love for others? Let me give you guys an example too. So at one point in my life, I was into acting, right? I wanted to be well known. I had a great idea for God and I, right? I would do it, God would just would make it happen for me. So I was like, God, I just need you to make me famous so I can tell people about Jesus, right? It's like a win-win for both of us here, right? And my problem was, my motivation was, I wanted people to know me. I wanted to like walk into the supermarket and for people to say, aren't you the guy from such and such, right? It was all about self-promotion. I wanted someone to take a tabloid photo of me, right? So that people would know me. And so God took me on that path. And when that path was ending, he moved me to the corporate world where I learned in corporate sales training. He was teaching me all these skills about speaking and teaching. Why would God do that? What was he trying to do in my life? You see, what God had done was God had given me a gift. Now the question is, am I using that gift to love other people, or am I using it to promote myself? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying right there. What are we using the gifts for? Love is the foundation. And now he moves in the scripture to what love is. Listen in verse 4. Love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What he's saying is, here's what love is, and he starts off by saying, here are two things that love is, and he does it within the, within the context of how they're treating each other. Number one, it's patient with each other, right? It gives people a chance. It waits. It endures a long time with other people because that's what God did for you, right? It's patient. It's kind. It's gentle and tender-hearted toward other people. And then he goes on a lesson. Here's eight things it's not. It doesn't envy. It doesn't want what other people have. It wants the best for other people. Just an honest show for hands. When Andy Reid won the Super Bowl, how many of you were upset? Okay, I was. Right? Why? Because I was jealous. <laughs> I was like, this guy is going to go and win it for them. And all the dumb things that he did when he was here. And I was like, Lord, forgive me. I, I, I am jealous. I am jealous. Lord, that's my problem. So I ask for you to forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Right? Envy does. It says, looks at what somebody else has and wants what they have. I can't be happy for you because I want what you have, right? It doesn't boast. It doesn't puff itself up or look down on other people. It's not arrogant. It's not selfish and prideful. It's not rude. It's not pushy or thinks, it thinks of other people. It's the opposite of kindness, right? I was in the gym two weeks ago, and I asked somebody, you mind if I work in with you on this machine? He was like, uh, yeah. I was like taken aback. I'm like, anybody go to the gym? You know, like gym etiquette is if I ask to work in, you let me in, right? We went, and this is like the second time in my whole life that someone was like, uh, yeah, I mind. I was like, Lord, help me love this person right now. I'm about to love him in a special way, right? 
I was like, man, I'm telling you, on a Sunday morning at 11.15, love sounds really wonderful. And then you start getting in the real world, and you're like, woo, this is hard. Because people will test you and make it really hard to love people well. I just came from church, right? It's hard, right? Love doesn't insist on its own way. It puts other people first. Love is not irritable or resentful. It doesn't get irritated easily or annoyed. It doesn't hold a grudge, a memory of wrongdoings of how people have hurt you. doesn't mean I don't remember what you've done. I don't hold it against you. Love doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. I'm not happy when I see something bad happen to somebody else. Right? Like when the Cowboys lose. I don't get happy over that, right? No, actually, that's okay. That's different. That's like an asterisk in Scripture. Love rejoices with the truth. My love is shaped by the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Love bears all things. It doesn't quit when other people become annoying or difficult to deal with. I'm not saying I blindly stay with people. What I'm saying is, Love does When Paul's saying these, he's addressing it to people. This is how they're treated. They're suing. It's like a church like this, and they're just suing one another. This is what's going on in this church, and he's trying to explain to them. Love, it, it believes all things. It believes the best of others until the facts prove otherwise. It hopes the best for them and God. It endures all things. It keeps carrying on regardless of circumstances because of who God is. So that's the second application of this is what love is. By the way, quick question. Who do you think this points to? The answer is always Jesus. <laughs> All right? My question is always ending Jesus. I'm just going to tell you right now, right? So this is what it is. What it is is your maturity as a Christian is displayed in how you love other people. That's how you display how mature you are in Christ. You can read the Bible again and again. You can attend every Bible study we hear at River Riverside. You can serve in any ministry. But unless you have love for other people, you are just doing things. That's what this is all about. Now, does this seem really hard to do? Honesty, is it hard? It is hard. And you cannot do them on your own. You cannot muster the strength to love people on your own. You have to ask for help and say, God, help me to love you and to love other people. It comes from helplessness. But I want you to imagine this. Imagine where you lived in a world where this was actually the norm every day, forever. Watch what he says in verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. What he's saying is love always has been, and love always will be forever. It never, ever ends. 
You see, prophecies, one day you're not going to need to have prophecies. Tongues, we won't need to have tongues. Knowledge will cease. Why? Because all of those things point to something greater. It's like looking in a dim mirror. Don't think about the mirrors that we have in the bathroom. Think of polished metal where you see, but you see dimly. G- Paul, the Apostle Paul is like, that's how you see Christ right now. You only know in part right now because these gifts are part. The things that we experience now are only part. One day, you're going to be with him and you're going to see him face to face. You won't need prophecy because he's going to be right there. You won't need faith because he's going to be right there. But you know what will still be there? Love. It's going to be there forever. I was telling you, those dim moments you experience now, that community, the love, that's going to be what it's like forever. That is what we look forward to. Now we get a small taste. You see, the third application is this. Love will endure forever. You know, there was a man that came to Jesus one time. He was a rich young ruler, and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? And Jesus starts by saying, Why do you call me good teacher? There's only one that's good that's God. He says, Well, you know the scriptures. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't bear false witness. He says, I've been doing all those things, but I'm still lacking something. And Jesus says, Go and sell everything that you have and follow me. You see, what Jesus was saying is, yeah, you have been doing all these things, but you, even you recognize that you're still missing something in your life. And what was that thing he was missing? He was missing love. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you a clue of how to get love because right now you do love something. You love your money. You love your possessions. And so I'm telling you to get rid of those things and now you'll find love. And he went away sad. He's like, no, I still love those things more than I love you, Lord. Peter said he would die for Jesus. He actually was bold enough to say, even if all the rest of these disciples fall away, I never will. I will die for you. Jesus was like, oh, will you really? He says, before the rooster crows, how many times will he deny him? He's going to deny him three times. And Did it happen? In fact, Peter went away crying. He went away crying because he knew what the Lord had said had come true. He was trying to do something, but it wasn't motivated by love. There is someone. There is someone who loved this way perfectly. There's someone who actually was patient. There's someone who was kind. There's someone who didn't envy or didn't boast who he was. There's someone who wasn't arrogant or wasn't rude. There's someone that didn't insist on his own way. He wasn't irritable. He wasn't resentful. He didn't rejoice at wrongdoing, and he rejoiced with the truth. He believed all things. He hoped all things. He endured all things. That person was Jesus, and his love for us led him to the cross. Jesus died for our sin. Jesus died because we wanted nothing to do with God and we had walked away. He loved us so much that he gave up his own life for us so that we could have that love relationship forever. 
with him. And the way that you love like him is by him living his life through you. That's how I can love other people. I can't muster up the love of my own. Jesus loves through me. You know, the Apostle Paul, I told you, he would boast about how he persecuted Christians like no other. And now, here is a man that was trying to get other people to fall in love with Jesus. Listen to what he says in Philippians 2. He says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be great. He didn't always pull out his God card. He became like us. He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He allowed his own creation to beat him and to mock him and to spit on him and he did nothing. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Apostle Paul, who was a doer, who had achieved all these things, is basically saying, I love Jesus. Who would have ever thought such a turnaround in somebody's life? Someone who was so focused on self-promotion was now in love with Jesus and now in love with this Corinthian church and in love with others. You see, Jesus Christ didn't just die. He died out of love. He died from love. He died for love. And he died so that we can not only have and experience that love here dimly, but we can see it face to face forever. Love is greater than and is the focus of our gifts. And we saw what love is. It's a person named Jesus. That love will endure forever. That's good news. We all know people who we want to know Jesus, right? Anybody know anybody that you want to know Jesus? You want to know what the best way to advertise Jesus is? Love. You love them like Christ. That will draw people to him. That's why the night before he died, Jesus says, people will know you're my disciples when you have love for one another. Then they'll know you're from me. The reason we can love now is because he lives his life in us. And even though we only still see it dimly, though, we only see it dimly, one day it will be clear when we see him, and love him face to face. Pray with me.